Hello and thanks for listening to RT Radio 1's The Rolling Wave podcast with me, Aoife Nick In this episode, I'll be talking to London-based musician Karen Ryan. Karen is a member of the band The London Lasses who recently released a new CD marking 25 years of the group. She is also one of the organisers of the Return to London Town Festival which will be taking place in London at the end of October. So she'll be talking to me about all of those things as well as about some of the legendary musicians with whom she has had the very good fortune to play in London over the years. But first, a tune from that new album. This is a set of reels beginning with Dandy Dinnies. Karen, 25 years with the band. Congratulations. But but take me back uh, to the band's beginnings. How did it all begin? 1997, I think, was when we decided to do something uh, first with the band. We were all uh, playing together on a, a thriving London Irish session scene. And um, myself and Elaine Conwell, who's also a fiddler with the band since those days, um, were playing with Pauline Keneally, great banjo player from Bedford who used to play with us a lot in London and she said oh wouldn't it be nice if we went to the States and played a few gigs out there and put a band together and and uh, she had some contacts out there having spent time out there and, and, and set up something for us that summer so we, we went out really doing something as a, an extended holiday with a few gigs and uh, felt that the, the London Lasses, of course a great old tune that we loved was an appropriate name for the band, which we figured was going to be just very temporary, but we really enjoyed it and it was quite well received. And uh, we came home and decided we'd ask some friends to join us and do a little bit more with it. And uh, yeah, now 25 years on. So we didn't plan for that, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, the idea with this album really was, apart from just celebrating the 25 years, which was where we were by the time we could see it was going to be released, I think we'd initially started talking about it maybe being a 20th anniversary of the first album and then COVID threw dates out. So we thought, actually, let's go for 25 years from the first time we did anything as the London Lasses. But we um, we decided we also wanted it to be a celebration of so much of the music and so many of the people who've been involved in the band in all those years. So we've got 16 musicians in total uh, on the album, some who recorded back in that that first uh, recording, which we brought out in 1999. Uh, Bernie Keneally, Pauline's sister on banjo, who she's now in, in Westport these days, is uh, is on there. And um, our older flute players, uh, we've got Dee Havlin from Antrim has recorded and... Uh, Elmer McGilligan, who's uh, you know currently with the band based in France these days, and we've got some of the next generation of musicians as well. Um, I've got one of my students there, Rachel Ishwood on fiddle, and uh, Pete Quinn, who's been with the band for a very long time, on keys. Um, he and I have our daughters playing on the album: Annie Quinn on pipes and flute and banjo, and and. Katie Quinn on accordion. Elaine's son and daughter 
Orla and James playing fiddle on a track as well. So there's there's a whole lot going on. It's it's like bringing a big family back together. And some of the family members hadn't even met each other until this project came about because they were from different eras of the band. Uh, and it's it's just been a great opportunity to, to to get everyone together and be playing music again, really having fun with it. Absolutely. And uh, the London Lasses isn't, it's not all, uh, just women, but there are an awful lot of women. And 25 years ago, the scene in terms of traditional music and, and uh, women was quite different. You were you were lucky to have kind of a circle of female musicians around you, I think. We were. Um, and I don't think, to be honest, at the time we were particularly aware of that. It's It's more something that's become obvious to us further down the line with other people, you know, passing comment on it. Um, I mean, in, in particular, I mentioned Elaine Conwell, who I grew up playing music with. Um, we learnt from the same teacher from North Leitrim, Tommy Maguire, in the London Irish Centre in Camden. And then we, we have a, another best friend who's also a wonderful fiddle player who's on the album and has, has played with us down the years, Teresa Conley. She, uh, she was Teresa, he knew. Uh, and the three of us played music together from the age of about nine so and and we had other female friends who played as well it wasn't really something that we particularly thought about and we didn't necessarily set out to be an all-female band it just happened that there were a group of friends and that was the the band name that we chose and I think a little bit later um in in the process of bringing out albums and doing gigs you start to realize that actually it was quite unusual and um and it was probably quite important that that we were playing with quite a strong female presence. And uh, I mean, I, I do remember at some time with some, some festivals in the early days, approaching and having, having a response along the lines of, oh, actually, we already have uh, an all-female band, so we're okay. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, God. <laughs> Coming away from that uh, telephone conversation, thinking, "What? <laughs> what is that about?" But in in the early days, um, I think a, a lot of the the gigs and, and festivals that we got, there were people who really uh, cherished the tradition, and I think that that you know the focus that London always had on almost being a time capsule, I think, for for a lot of the traditional music, and so many musicians came to London. Um, from all around the country and you know, there was a melting pot for styles still held their own regional styles but lent in together to kind of compromise or, or you know have find a, a meeting point a little bit so that's what that's what we're born of so I think the fact that we were proudly playing very traditional music was what got us on certain festival lineups and and um, certain gigging in certain venues especially in Ireland you know we were really kind of felt very honored to be to be welcomed in a lot of venues and festivals in Ireland but but yeah occasionally you'd get that where people were must have viewed us as some sort of I don't know tokenistic commodity because we were a female band and that was very confusing but highlighted (laughs) something that obviously needed addressing and has been you know worked on by many great female tradition traditional musicians and folk musicians I guess since then, and I hope we've done our little bit along the way mm. as well, raising the profile. 
Okay. Musicians. Of course, alongside your work uh, with that band, you also have had your own solo projects and have your own uh, projects, your own albums. And I have a track here from uh, your album, The Coast Road. These are Three Jigs, Kitty's Rambles, Kitty of Alert and Unrogridov. Would you introduce these for me? They're, they're three lovely tunes. Well, um, Kitty's Rambles is a beautiful jig that uh, I learned from the baying of uh, Bobby Casey from a, a recorded version. I think he recorded it in the Casey in the Cowhouse. Um, wonderful fiddle player, amazing mind for variations. Um, and also, you know, a, a great man who influenced one of my heroes, Dan, Danny Meehan's playing down the years. And Danny encouraged me to to tune down the fiddle on a couple of tracks when I was recording this album. So this one is tuned down in, in C, so it makes it sound a little bit more mellow. And then the, the next two tunes then I would have learnt from my teacher, Tommy Maguire, um, Kitty of Our Lart, beautiful jig that you don't hear around that much actually, but it, it was one that was played a lot in our music classes and our Kaylee bands. And um, on Rogue Dove, which uh, of course is from a traditional song, and that, that's another one that we... We learnt from, from Tommy years ago and, and it was kind of, I think, resurrected in the session scene by the wonderful Leitrim fiddler uh, Brian Rooney, who's also another great hero of mine. background you, you said that you started uh, when you were learning music from the time you were about nine but where where did the music come from sort of before then well my mum is from South Connemara she's from quite a musical family um, and her mother and father both played the melodeon and her, her father sang and then her siblings she's one of 10 siblings and um, most of them either sang, played or danced. So whenever we would be going home for family holidays, there would be lots of music, lots of singing, lots of fun. And we'd have uh, hoolies in one of the houses, you know, we'd all come together. And as time went on, you know, the, the, the younger members of the family uh, were encouraged to, to play or, or sing. So you'd kind of have a party piece from from everybody, which was lovely. Um and my, my dad was from South Mayo, um, kind of very, very near Kong. Um, and even though he didn't play or necessarily come from a musical family, there was a great love for the music. Lots of different types of music, but uh, very much so for uh, traditional Irish music. And he had a great LP collection at home. And, you know, my uncles, my... my um, mum's brothers when they first came to London because she's the oldest of the ten they came to live with uh, my dad and and then subsequently my mum as well and they they had a great LP player in the back room and they'd be playing uh, traditional music a lot uh, my uncle Pat um, is a lovely Shano singer um, and played a bit of accordion and my uncle Coleman was a a great lover 
of, of the music his children went on to play as well. Um, I asked you to, to choose a number of tracks for today's programme, which is always hard. I, I always kind of feel a bit sorry for people when I ask them to do this because it's always very difficult to pick, you know, seven or eight tracks. But you have a nice one from with a family collection from your Uncle Pat. Tell me about this album. Well, this this album was, was made um, probably in the last decade, really. It, it was long overdue. Uncle Pat was always singing. I know my mum often recounts um, himself quite like his dad as well. You know, if you if you want to try and find them somewhere at home, you just listen out for the singing and you could locate them quite easily. Um, had an amazing, has, sorry, an, an amazing uh, stock of traditional Irish songs um you know they were they were brought up bilingually um which was quite unusual in the area but I think it was because grandma and grandpa had spent time in the states and spent time in England as well before settling and raising the family in Connemara um but uh Uncle Pat has a huge stock of um Irish traditional songs in 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 the Irish language and uh when he came to London he he kept singing them and he started a, a singing session in the London Irish Centre in Camden heading for 30 years ago. Um, it used to be one one Wednesday a month until Covid struck and he would welcome people from all backgrounds to come and sing. Uh, but more often than not, people would come and want to learn from him. But, uh, you know, he'd be happy if you went and sang a country and Irish song or even an operatic song he just <laughs> loved it all mm. very very welcoming great man A song there from Porig O'Connila and he is Karen Ryan's uncle who is with me here on the Rolling Wave tonight. You mentioned, Karen, you mentioned Tommy Maguire as uh, being your, your teacher and Tommy Maguire is one of the musicians on the album Paddy in the Smoke. Just very briefly tell me about this record to anyone who hasn't had the pleasure of hearing it yet. Um, well, Paddy in the Smoke is, is the most amazing collection of music, a snapshot really in time of music from the favourite pub in Holloway in uh, in London, in North London, where musicians used to meet uh, every Sunday uh, and there was a, a little stage and a little bit of amplification and Reg Hall, who brought all of these recordings together, a great English folk musician also um, into uh, traditional jazz going back, met a lot of these uh, Irish immigrant players and became friends with them quite quickly and he was really welcomed into that, that tradition and he played piano with them. And as I say, at the favourite he used to play every week with the Waterford fiddler, um, Jimmy Power, and would choose people to come up on stage there on the Sundays to, to play. It was quite an honour and anyone who, who spent time there will, will always tell you if you were called upon to come up and play a tune. And it was also wonderful for people 
in London and visiting London, emigrants and people from the States would know about it as well. If they were passing through London, they would go there on a Sunday and hear the finest traditional Irish musicians um, playing. And, and, and it was, uh, I, I, I'm a little bit too young to have caught the tail end of that scene. Uh, but I was there when they had their closing session uh, at the favour with some some of the old musicians who thankfully are still with us from, from that era. So this is, you know, listening to this track and um, some other tracks that are around with the Four Courts Cayley Band is a little window for me into his kind of younger life when he was out playing more frequently. When, when we knew him, he was still playing the Sunday evening Cayleys at, uh, every week in the London Irish Centre but this was when he was busier on, on the pub scene probably a little bit before he started his teaching and James McMahon's favourite from uh, Tommy Maguire with Father O'Keefe and that is from that iconic album Paddy in the Smoke. Um, Karen, Ryan, when you went for lessons with uh, Tommy Maguire did you go to his house or what kind of a setup was there for for music classes when you began? It was in the London Irish Centre um, in Camden Square. I mean, that, was a, that, that is a centre that was founded in 1954, you know, to help with Irish immigrants coming over. I think they started with a, a small hall and, and then kept adding on to it as, as as they raised more funds to be able to expand. And we used to meet upstairs in a hall called the Douglas Hyde Lounge, which was also, you know, where they used to have Sunday afternoon sessions. You know, the McCarthy family used to play there in Mick O'Connor. Um, and um, as I say, Tommy used to play for those Sunday night Kayleys there, which were run by Anton Coyle. And um, so we would go in and he would teach for uh, five five hours with different levels wow. and different um, age groups. So you'd go in first of all and you'd queue up for your little one-to-one when you were starting off on a certain instrument. And we all loved Tommy and we were all scared of him in equal measure because he was he could be quite stern. And I, I think, you know, he had to because there were a lot of us and uh, there was a bit of, you know, crowd control in there that he had to uh, be on top of, really. And and he was, you know, basically you, you wouldn't mess around in class with Tommy. <laughs> um, but but he was also very kind of uh, soft underneath. And I think as you, you got more experienced and a little bit older and you knew him longer, you'd started to see that side of him. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we did. And the interesting thing as well, of course, he would have been known in the music scene as an accordion player, came from a musical family in North Leitrim. But maybe this was also a crowd control uh, thing. He chose to teach us without the accordion. He taught us through lilting, which he was amazing at, and whistling, which he was also amazing. I think he was all Ireland champion in in, in these. Um, and he also was a brilliant Cayley band drummer. And he uh, 
he got us involved in Kaylee bands. Basically, when you were up and running with instruments, you were in a Kaylee band pretty much with any instrument that you played. I remember being in three Kaylee bands at one <laughs> stage. And it was great because you were playing loads. And um, so he would he would sit up on the slightly raised stage in the corner of the room when it was mixed instrument time and he would uh, teach the tune from there. And he might use some of his older players to demonstrate the tune uh, to us younger players. Uh, and then we go phrase by phrase and then we'd all play it together. Oh, you were so lucky because it's a, it's such a great experience, isn't it? To, to learn to play with other people when you're that young as well and to have somebody helping you to do that. Um, but you were talking about the melting pot that is London or that was London um, and Danny Meehan, who's obviously Danny Meehan, a great friend of this programme uh, from Donegal. So his music, again, then when you were older, you know, was totally different. Tell me about Danny Meehan, because uh, you chose a track from his album Navi on the Shore. T- tell me a little about how you how you knew Danny and um, his influence, I suppose, on your music. Well, Danny, I, I met probably in my 20s. When, when I was starting to go on the sessions scene in my teen teenage years, he wasn't really on the scene at that stage. He, he'd gone quiet. So, you know, you could find him in, in, in archive recordings and, of course, the La Kayla albums that were out and people would talk about the legendary sessions in the White Hart in, in Fulham. But I had never personally met him until um, 1999, I think, at the launch of Navi on the Shore in the festival and he was this mysterious figure I'd heard so much about and of course you know once you meet him you realize all all the stories are true and about his amazing musicianship and about his great presence and about his fantastic ability for storytelling and just lighting up a room whenever he quote unquote sachets in um (laughs) Uh, to strike a dramatic attitude, to use Danny's own words. <laughs> um, j- just wonderful. And we hit it off very, very uh, quickly. And I was mesmerised by his playing because it was just, it has so much in it. Um, but once he, he launched that uh, CD, it was lovely for people like me. The legend became real. Always brilliant, Danny Meehan there from the album Navi on the Shore. Um, Karen, Ryan, the list of fiddle players that you have chosen uh, for us to include in tonight's programme, it's kind of a who's who, you know, there are so many, like there's Danny Meehan you just mentioned. There's also Brendan McGlinchey and Brian Rooney. Were they in the sort of uh, session circulation when you were playing in London as well? Are they people that you used to play with? Brian Rooney was, uh, um, um, and we're still great friends to this day um i was very lucky after tommy mcguire passed away i think that was in 1986 it was quite sudden and unexpected my cousins and i you know continued playing music together and i used to pop along to the sunday classes rather than the saturdays in in in, uh, camden i used to go to stonebridge park with them because one of tommy's old students david riley used to teach there so i felt like the repertoire was being kept alive there and I was learning more tunes and Stonebridge Park where those lessons were was very close to a pub 
that um, Brian Rooney played in uh, on Sundays called Coach and Horses. So I think age 16, myself and, and my, my cousin box player, Gary Conley, popped along to the session, really not knowing what we were going to find and, and, and uh, not knowing how fortunate we were for that to be our very first you know, regular pub session that we used to attend. So, yeah, Brian Rooney from, from North Leitrim, beautiful fiddle player, beautiful man, so welcoming. Um, he used to play there regularly. And w when we used to go there, because of the timing of the classes, the session was just at the tail end. So we'd, we'd sit in, I was playing mainly banjo and fiddle, the banjo and whistle, sorry, in those days. Um, fiddle, I was playing, but it was more kind of in the background. And... Um, We'd sit in and we'd catch the tail end of the formal part of the session. And then those were the days when they used to close the pubs in the afternoon. And you were supposed to empty the pubs, but of course that didn't always happen. No. <laughs> so they, they used to pull the curtains closed and we would stay in there. And Brian and a uh, great friend from, from his locality as well, lovely box player Jim Connolly, would always hang on there and would continue to play music with us and chat with us and... and just be so so wonderful and open and um, share music and Brian was the most unassuming uh, musician you know really kind of modest and um, just you know out to enjoy music and company always and I think he was he was like our secret in London for a while Again, not that we were particularly aware of it. It was only when the likes of John Carty and, and a group of friends encouraged Brian to record uh, when, when they brought out the, the Godfather, which was a nickname that a lot of them had for him. You know, he was held in such high regard here. Um, still is, of course. Um, and uh, w when they brought that out and, and you kind of got to see... That was 1999. Uh, you got to see the... Uh, the response, you know, from Ireland and further afield, a lot of people never having heard Brian. Um, it was like sharing, yeah, sharing our, our wonderful little secret of this beautiful musician with such a sweet tone, uh, such subtle bow work, amazing variations, you know, just gorgeous. You know, he might do something small like holding a note over, um unexpectedly into the next beat and then how he would recover from that just creates a beautiful variation equally you know with his ornamentation he might tag on another note a cut into another note and all of a sudden you're into the next bar not of course that it's thought of like that when, when he's playing the music but if you're trying to transcribe it as I sometimes do um, you see that he's just carrying on this end of a phrase and then there's this beautiful recovery um, going to get back into the tune afterwards which creates a really unique type of variation so yeah felt felt very lucky to have met brian as one of the first musicians on on the london scene
And then Brendan McGlinchey, just briefly, um, Karen, Brendan McGlinchey made one album, as far as I'm aware, anyway, Music of a Champion, um, which was released in the 70s on vinyl which, with Mary Mulholland. But it's a gr- there's a great cover, uh, if people can look it up uh, online, but there's a great cover where he's sort of standing with his foot on a, a tree stump looking out at uh, water, but he's in a three-piece suit. He's very well dressed and he's playing the fiddle, holding the fiddle very well. And, you know, it's a very sort of a dapper cover. He was a a, a very sort of a, a stylish fiddle player, wasn't he, uh, Karen? And he wrote some fantastic tunes too. How did you come across him? He was, yeah. He, he was a wonderfully stylish fiddle player. And I think that whole thing of wearing the three-piece suit, I mean... It, in London, in the days when those guys, you know, the 60s and 70s were on the scene regularly, I think they they put their Sunday best on when they were going out for tunes. It was really nice. And th- there's still a little bit of that going on with the likes of, say, Tom O'Connell, great Limerick box player. When he comes out for tunes, he's got the, the tie and the jacket <laughs> on. I love it. But, um, but with um, Brendan, uh, well, I mean, he's such a legendary player. And as you say, that amazing album came out in the 70s and and uh, so many people just uh really you know took all that music in and learned his compositions on there particularly the likes of splendid isolation and for the for the braver ones uh, mrs lowry's as well and um brendan was uh was not playing regularly when i was growing up in in on the scene in london he had moved to the south coast at that stage, uh, with his wife Margaret, and um, he, had his, he had his three daughters there, and um, he, I think, he had a break from playing about for about fifteen years, and he came back to playing again uh, in the early nineties, maybe ninety three thereabouts, and he was very, very good friends with some musicians who I also became friends with, um, the great Kevin Boyle. Uh, guitarist, piano player, singer, songwriter we sadly lost um, very recently just at the end of August um, he was a, a another player with LaCayla but he was you know playing with loads of the, the greats from as early as 16 so he used to play with Brendan quite a lot and the great Piper then from County Down Paul Brennan and they used to do a lot of kind of you know corporate and wedding gigs so um things that people wouldn't necessarily know about, but they, they'd enjoy playing together and nice way to make a little bit of money on top of everything else. Um, so when Brendan would be maybe going to the Woody Clancy Week or going wherever he'd be going to, to teach music, they would call upon me to dep for him. It was a really strange situation where I would often dep for Brendan in these gigs. I'd never met him. And then um, I think it was maybe the mid-90s, I did my Tastus course in Monkstown in the Cultural and, you know, the week-long teaching course. And I went along and the lads, Paul and Kevin, said, oh, you know, Brendan's going to be there because I think he's one of the tutors. So I thought, gosh, I'm actually going to finally meet him. <laughs> so that, that, that's how I first met him. And uh, we became great friends, played together after that. I encouraged him to come to London more for purely selfish reasons. Uh, to, to be able to hear more of his music and play more with him. And uh, I remember we put on a, a concert, he, he double-billed with the London Lasses probably in 1997 in Hammersmith. It was kind of like a comeback concert in London for him, so it was the first kind of profile thing he'd done in London for quite some time. 
and it was wonderful. You know, he's another one who I would play sit sit long beside and and just watch every move and try and emulate what he was doing. Brendan McGlinchey there playing uh, Floating Crowbar and McKenna's on the they are on that record Music of a Champion an LP released by Brendan McGlinchey with Mary Mulholland on piano and that was released in 1974 I think um, Karen you know we've talked about all these fantastic musicians that you met at various times in London and London you know has always been renowned for being a hub of traditional music a real melting pot, as you say. But it's natural as well for places, isn't it, where there's an ebb and flow and sometimes there can be a dip and then things are quiet and then it comes back again. How How is it now in London? How much music is being played in, in London these days, do you think? Or how has it been over the past maybe 10 years? There's lots of music in London at the moment. There's there's approaching approaching 30 regular sessions all around London. Most of them are on a weekly basis. Um, and, you know, that that involves, you know, a number of my contemporaries, second-generation Irish musicians who would have learnt from Tommy or from Brenda Mulcair, and then, you know, a number of our own students now who are the, the uh, older teenagers who are coming through and playing at sessions. But then... There's a new wave of, of emigration and there, there are still a lot of young Irish moving to London, some for a few years and then moving home again, you know, to work, some putting down roots here. Um, but it's gone it's gone through different ebbs and flows, as you say, and uh, I think going back to the late 90s, now a lot of what I was mentioning there when I was meeting and playing with the likes of Brendan and and Danny and you know having known Brian for even longer in those days we used to just go out and meet we didn't arrange it we just knew where the sessions were and sometimes you go out on a Thursday and apart from to put the head down a little bit here and there you might not return home until the Monday hmm. um, and there'd be other sessions on other nights as well so it was it was a thriving healthy scene and it was just great to meet these musicians make friends, learn music. And then it all stopped all of a sudden when the Celtic Tiger hit. So there were quite a lot of venue owners and landlords, landladies who who decided that, that was a good time to move home. So the musicians didn't really move home. We still had a massive amount of musicians around this massive city, but we had a lack of venues so the places where we had just kind of been rocking up every week and we didn't have to arrange anything we, we didn't have mobile phones then you see we couldn't text each other to say are you going out tonight um that that just wasn't happening anymore and everyone was kind of at home twiddling their thumbs so really that was uh one of the reasons that myself and another couple of people jeff holland a set dancing teacher also in camden and um 
at the time, Father Jerry Kivlin, who was the director of the London Irish Centre, decided that it would be good. And actually, this was at the suggestion of Brendan McGlinchey. He said that, you know, London needs an Irish music festival and I think you'd be good to do it. Yeah, we went about having the first festival in October of 1999 and everyone came out. And it was so lovely to have everyone together again and uh, kind of carried on with that as an important focal point for the London Irish music song and dance community until things came started to come back a little bit with venues. And then, of course, when people were more easily connected through email was quite new then, mobiles were starting to come in. And then, of course, once social media is there, it's so very easy to keep in touch with people and, and know where things are going on. It, you know, we were coming into a different different way of communicating and uh, it, things things started to work better after a few years. But it did feel like an important thing to do back in 1999. Um, the Return to London Ham Festival is on at the end of October and I'm going to get you to give me details of that in a second. But... Um, I want to bring it back as we're nearing the end of the programme. I want to bring it back to your own music. And I have a track here called March to Kinsale. Tell me just very briefly about this track and then we'll play a little of it. Uh, March to Kinsale is, is a beautiful composition by uh, the late great fiddler Tommy Peoples, who I also feel very fortunate to have befriended and, and played music with down the years here and on Ireland and in Boston. And um, Artisan Row was was a little uh, four-piece band which was made up of some members of, of the Lassies, but it uh, it put a little bit more focus on some of the banjo and, and sax stuff that we were doing. So as myself and Elma McGilligut, who plays flute and uh, sax on this track, she's playing flute, and uh, my husband Pete Quinn on keys, and then very good friend of Pete and ours, you know, since his college days, Connor Doherty. Um, from Derry singing and playing guitar um, so a, a lot of what's on that Artisan Row album is um, I, I think beautifully arranged from the lads you know from a backing perspective some really quite interesting takes on on uh, accompanying Irish music to Kinsale played there by Artisan Row um, Karen Ryan we just have a couple of minutes left here I am. Um, I want you to if you can tell me uh, about the return uh, to London Town Festival it's on at the end of October um, what's happening there and where can people find out more about it Okay so um, Return to London Town which rebranded a few years ago we were Return to Camden Town now we've moved to another iconic area uh, with a history of Irish music in Cricklewood, just a few hundred yards down from where the Galtimore used to stand in the Crown Hotel. Um, that's going to be happening from Friday the 27th to Monday the 30th of October, and it's our 25th year, which is quite exciting. Um, we've got a, a great lineup. Uh, we have Noel Hill, Brian McGrath, um, 
John Carty, Michael McGoldrick, uh, Porrick Keane, Salagna Canavan, Harry Bradley, James Carty, Libby McCrowan. I keep going. Uh, <laughs> Sarah Costello, et cetera, et cetera. Lo loads of great stuff. You know, we have concerts, we've got Kayleys, we've got um, workshops, album launches, and the uh, the main host venue at the Crown Hotel, the beautiful four-star hotel. We've got lots of different spaces in there. It's really, really lovely. So we, we've got the... The, the main gig venue in the basement we've got um, another smaller gig venue which is also sometimes used for tutor-led um, sessions and some of the children's workshops upstairs and then we've got about three or four different um, session spaces within the hotel and a lot of kind of just hanging out spaces in, in the foyer places to eat and drink and then within walking distance we have our workshops a lot of them down at Ashford Place which is a great um, Irish run community uh, charity and uh, some of the local pubs as well so in, in a way even though we're in the heart of London and, and just a bus ride down from Oxford Street uh, we are it, I think we've, we've got more of a kind of a, a, a rural Irish festival feel because everything's walking distance and because if you want to you can book in to the hotel or one of the close by hotels and, and kind of roll out of bed and just mm. be <laughs> immersed welcomed by lots <laughs> yeah. of music so. OK, and look, the dates, I don't think you gave me the dates. The 20 starts on the 26th, 30th of October and all, all the tickets are on sale at our website, which is um, return to London We've also got a, a, you know, a website for our more year round activities. Um, our organisation is called IMDL and the website is Irish Music in London So both of those will have the tickets, you know, there's a there's a a weekend long ticket which is ridiculously cheap at 40 pounds i would say that of course but you know but it that does sound like good value very I good did, value indeed yeah um well look karen um thanks so much and uh, thank you for joining me today and us tonight on the rolling wave um and for choosing all this music for us and congratulations on the 25 years of the festival and on the the 25 years celebrating uh, the london lasses as well we're going to end with a track from the london lasses and and Pete Quinn and the first tune here is a tune by Brendan McGlinchey so it sort of brings everything uh, together um, thank you very much indeed and um, best of luck with, with everything that is to come at the end of the month thanks so much thanks Ethan for listening to the Rolling Wave podcast. For rights reasons, the music here is shorter than in the original broadcast. So if you'd like to hear the full versions of the tunes, you can go to rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash the rolling wave. And this programme was first broadcast on the 24th of September 2023. Until the next time, Gurumila Mahagi, Agaslan.